This is an extra episode of the Real Me and Colin a movie podcast. This is part two of Chase going over some of the films that he missed this year in 2022. What films will be on this part? We'll just have to tune in and find out. This episode starts right now. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to an extra episode of the Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast. I am your host, Chase Lee, and thank you for joining me on this extra episode, day or night, whenever you're listening to this. You guys are awesome. And speaking of you guys, if you could spread this episode around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to, that would be much appreciated. You know, maybe there's just someone in your family or friend circle that's just not a movie fan and you want to give them something to become a movie fan because loving movies is awesome. Or if you're just uh, if you have someone that's looking for a movie podcast. Choose this one. You know, I talk about multiple films, especially in this episode, so why not? But thank you guys for all your support week to week, day to day, month to month, year to year. You guys are awesome. So as stated at the top, this is an extra episode of um, this series that I'm doing, which is catching up on the films of 2022 that I have missed. Uh, You know, in the first episode, I had like six movies. I don't have as much this time. Um, It's just four. Um, but yeah, I, I, I plan on doing a couple more, maybe two more parts. Um, so a part three and part four, there's some films I still have to get done on my list, um, to catch up and then I will uh, do that. And plus we have like the award season coming up with all these films towards the end of the year. So it's just going to be slammed with uh, content for you guys. But, um, I decided to do a part two, uh, to the, uh, 2022 movie catch up. So here you go. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna do two films, uh, take a ad break and then I will, uh, do the other two. So, uh, I'm doing them in order that I saw them. Uh, so, uh, continuing the films that I have missed, uh, let's start with Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood. And this one comes to us from Netflix and this is uh, directed by Richard Linklater, one of my favorites. And what is this movie about? A coming-of-age story set in the suburbs of Houston, Texas in the summer of 1969 centered around the historic Apollo 11 moon landing. So, you know, when I heard about this, I was like, cool, Richard Linklater is doing the rotoscope animation where uh, he films the actual scenes and he uh, does it in post and does the rotoscope painting um, over the characters. So it kind of has like this... um, kind of weird, but vintage, uh, kind of oil painting, uh, look to it. It just, it adds a little bit more, uh, artistic flair to the the projects. Now I've actually never seen a scanner darkly. Uh, was that one of, one of his, uh, cause I remember this, um, trend was really popular back in the day doing this rotoscope thing for a bit. Um, but Richard Linklater continues to do it. I think he also did it like just recently with another, another one of them. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but um, he's really great at tackling this type of um, animation, film, live action hybrid. So it, it's on Netflix right now if you want to check it out. But the reason why I'm saying that just kind of hesitantly is because Netflix is terrible at marketing their movies. And so I didn't know that this was coming out and uh, there was no fanfare for it. It's Richard Linklater doing uh, a film on the Apollo 11 moon landing and set in this small little town from the perspective of this young man. And like, it sounds like a really cool story, but like, uh, there was just no fanfare to it. I'm like, come on, Netflix. What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Anyways, um, saw the movie and 
I, I like it quite a bit and it's really close to like getting in my top 10. I think I have it like an 11 through 20 right now, but it's a really great coming of age um, film. It's got, you know, a different perspective on the Apollo 11 moon landing. We get to see like this young boy in this, this neighborhood and, you know, adds like he's going to school, hanging out with his friends and family and all of the community just witnessing this space launch and coming together to watch something really miraculous happen. And in his eyes, like he he's always wanted to be an astronaut. So seeing this and seeing his heroes go out to space is just really something that touches him dearly. And he just really wants to be a part of that and be a part of something really incredible um, as a, Apollo 11. So yeah, it's a really, really uh, inspirational uh, tale. You know, it's a really uh, well-told film. It's well-acted. And, of course, the rotoscope animation I've always been a fan of, and it's really um, awesome to see just because it, it just adds, like, a whole different um, look to it, and it really just it, it, it kind of has, like, this fantasy element, you know, like, almost like a dream, like we're watching, like, fragments of a dream that this kid's going through. So maybe we're watching the film of, like, this kid growing up, and he's kind of reminiscing on the time that he got to witness Apollo 11. Um, that's just now clicking with me, clicking with me, by the way, I don't know if that's what Richard Linklater was going with, but I think that is my interpretation of it. But anyways, let's start with Richard Linklater. Of course, the rotoscope animation in this is gorgeous. Whoever did the VFX work and post-production on this, it's stunning. I, I, I've always found this type of filmmaking to be really time inducing and it's not, it's not easy and so actually accomplishing it and uh, executing it from front to back, it's just really beautiful, really um, adds, like I said, texture to a lot of things that, you know, might not have a lot of texture depth. Like I said, it's just an interesting way to kind of tell your story. But once again, it kind of goes into the whole aspect of like, is, is this kid like reliving uh, his childhood memories and like, this is how we're kind of seeing it. Um, and if, like I said, it feels like a dream. And so... Um, yeah, I think just from a directing standpoint, the story is engaging. It's, uh, really fun at moments, really just kind of whimsical and it, it's filled with adventure. Um, really great coming of age, uh, tale. And then just the look of it artistically, is just really great. So Richard Linklater, uh, fantastic job on that. So performances are all also all across the board. No one really stands out, but like, uh, I, I liked how everyone in, inhabited the the '60s culture, and um, you know, you really felt like we were watching like this real community and everyone banding together um, for this uh, this space mission. So I thought everyone did a pretty solid job on that. I know they they filmed everything, and then of course you do the the rotoscope um, kind of matte painting look afterwards. But like the production design is it's top notch. You know, it's, it's really nice to look at. Uh, and you can really tell they put a lot of effort and detail into really recreating the summer of 1969. And so, yeah, I, I really like this one quite a bit. Uh, there's really nothing more to say. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, with all the coming of age films that we have out there in the ether, this is a unique one. And I, I really think it's, uh, really inspirational for any child to see a an event like this and wanting to become an astronaut, wanting to become involved, I think there's something really special about that. And you know, um, I think this can relate to a bunch of kids that might see some of their heroes 
you know, out there and they want to be a part of that and they want to become that. And so that's really, uh, inspiring as well. So yeah, Apollo 10 and a half, um, a, uh, what is it? A space age childhood. Yeah. A uh, really, really great movie. And, uh, I would highly recommend that uh, if you want to watch something different on Netflix, excuse me. Also, uh, he gets some of his regulars. I forgot to mention Jack Black is the narrator. Uh, so that's cool. Um, but yeah, anyways, really great. Moving on. So the next one is also from Netflix, and this is a uh, animated film for families. Um, and it's called The Sea Beast. It's on Netflix right now, currently streaming. So what is this one about? When a young girl stows away at the on the ship of a legendary sea monster hunter, they launch an epic journey into uncharted waters and make history uh, to boot. So uh, you know, going into this, I remember you know hearing a lot of people say like, oh, this is like one of the best animated films of the year. And, you know, uh, I heard nothing but great things. And that's a that's a, a reason why I do this series where I'm catching up on movies that I might have heard about, people that I follow talk about it, and I just never got around to it. So I wanted to kind of just judge for myself on whether it's good or bad. So The Sea Beast is one of the few animated films that I've seen this year. And I got to tell you, this movie rocks. If I were to see, have seen this as a kid, I would have loved the fantastical adventure of this film. I would have been awe-inspired. I would have wanted to become a pirate. I would have wanted to sail the high seas and search for the this monster. Like, There's just so much um, story packed into this, and it feels epic in scope. And I feel like if you were a kid and you watched this, this is the type of film that would get you to love movies. And I, I truly mean that. Even as I was watching it, I'm 32 years old. I was watching this going like, I, I, I feel so engaged with it. I feel um, enamored by the animation. It's so colorful and vibrant and, and detailed. Like it's just a really great uh, high seas adventure. And so uh, I really uh, got to applaud um, director Chris Williams for bringing that to life um, and really having this sense of adventure and wonder and just uh, discovery. And it's just it all, everything about it is just, I was kind of like imagining myself as a kid watching this animated film. Cause that, that's how I got into film. That's how I started loving film was cause I watched little mermaid, beauty and the beast, lion King, Aladdin. Like those were the four that set me on this path of want, loving this art form. And so I have a feeling that kids that see this, like they would just love it. And so I loved it as an adult. Like it just, I love uh, animated films like this because it's it's perfect for kids, but it's also like it's enjoyable for adults and like whole, all families can watch it. It's just a really well-made film and it hits all quadrants um, in ages and everything. So I thought the director did a great job with that. The animation is stunning. Um, really, you know, when you're dealing a lot with, with water and uh, boats and islands, like there's so much that could look flat or, you know, just not not done well and so i feel like the uh, animation in, on this film is superb and it really just adds a lot of uh um just depth to the story and the characters and speaking of the story and the characters i like following everyone around everyone had great com camaraderie and chemistry a lot of the jokes uh hit with me um a lot of the emotional moments hit with me as well because one of the main characters is just a a little girl just trying to find her her way in life and she she likes what this 
Monster Hunter does. And so she kind of goes on this adventure with him. And I'm sure her whole life has changed from this this point on because like she encountered a giant sea beast. So, but yeah, I thought it was just a really, really great heartwarming story. Um, and uh, I thought the animation was good. Uh, the voice acting is actually quite good as well. I liked everyone's kind of charisma and personality. Carl Urban plays the main Monster Hunter. Really great stuff. I always like um, hearing him, especially now that he's really prominent in the boys, you, you expect to hear that, that, um, uh, voice come out of these characters, but you're like, well, this is a PG rated film. He's not going to go crazy, but, um, yeah, he was really charismatic and I liked, uh, his performance and everyone else really just kind of fit their character. It was just a fun watch. Honestly, like it, this is one of these films to where you expect when you put on an animated film, that you will turn it on in front of your kids and you were just going to walk away and it's just going to be nothing but noise. What's great about this one is that you're going to press play and I think you are actually going to want to watch it. I think your kids are actually going to want to pay attention. Um, it's not one of these pass along films that's just like, eh, just, you know, it's two hours of the kid's life, you know, just let them watch it. I'm going to go do some chores or whatever. It's like, no, this is a great little family film. So if you're watch, if you're wanting like good family entertainment, this is on Netflix. Go check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. So I really like this one quite a bit. And it's uh, it's not really my 11 through 20, but I would put in like an honorable mention for uh, films that I like this year. So uh, there you go on that. So anyways, that is my review of Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood and the sea beast. When we come back from the break, I'm going to be talking about two more films. Uh, I can't, I can't just, I can't just tell you guys right off the bat. You're gonna have to just come back and listen. But um. Yeah, I got two more films I want to talk about as a part of my catch-up series. This is part two, uh, like I said. So, um, yeah, when we come back from the break, uh, we'll continue on. Hi, it's me interrupting me, and I just wanted to take a break to thank the sponsor of this review, Movie Palette. Movie Palette takes the concept of the movie poster to the next level. Movie Palette consists of stripes of colors carefully chosen by their team of artists. Every stripe represents a color of a particular scene in a movie and is put in chronological order on the canvas. There are so many movies to pick from, and it doesn't even stop there. They also have whole seasons of TV shows. I recently moved and I needed some things to put on my wall, and I was getting tired of putting up traditional movie posters and wanting something different, and Movie Palette stepped up to the plate. The movie palette that I chose was one of my favorite movies of all time, Logan. This gorgeous palette is a constant reminder of how beautiful this film is and how each scene evokes a different emotion all through its language of color not to mention a great conversation starter. This is a unique piece to any film and TV lover's home, and I want to help you get one. Use the discount code CHASE15 for 15% off of any product on their website. Film is art, so why not display your favorite as such? That's 15% off of your order when you use the code CHASE15. And thank you to our sponsor, Movie Palette, for sponsoring this episode of the Real Man Cold Movie Podcast. Let's continue with uh, this train of movies that I have seen, and uh, let's talk about them. So the third film that I saw as a part of this um, part two of the catch-up series, I finally saw Uncharted. Uh, it is also on Netflix, uh, but it hit theaters. It's from Sony, and it's based on the popular game. Uh, but if you're wondering what this movie's about, here's what it's about. Street smart Nathan Drake is recruited by seasoned treasure hunter Victor Sully Sullivan, to recover a fortune amassed by the Ferdinand Magellan and lost 500 years ago by the House of Moncada. I don't play the games. I 
I like to think that I'm good at video games, but honestly, I'm not. I play like the same three games over and over again. A little insight into my life. I play either football. I play racing games. I play some uh, multiplayer games and Halo. That's basically the extent of like what I've done um, as far as like the popular games I've played. I just never played Uncharted. So I don't know how the game is. I know that they have the iconic scene where uh, Nathan Drake is like climbing on top of the cargo boxes that are like hailing off of a, a, of a cargo plane. That's kind of cool. I've seen that cinematic. But other than that, I have no context of characters or story. So I'm just reviewing this solely on the movie itself, not comparing it to the games because I don't compare it to. Anyways, you know, I, I missed this one. It came out in February. But what's great with Netflix and Sony is that they have that deal where after a while it goes from theaters to um, uh, PVOD, which is like iTunes and stuff. And then it goes to like the first gate of streaming, which is Netflix. So that's how I saw it. So it was boring. I, I like I don't I like this is this is the reason why video game movies have such a bad rap. They're just not exciting. You know what's really bad about Uncharted is like it just feels like it just feels like a Hollywood movie. It feels like one of those movies that was like slapped together in a weekend uh, via script. And they're like, cool, we can get Mark Wahlberg and, and Tom Holland to do these characters and do them justice. And it's like, yeah, that sounds great on paper. But like what you brought to life was just soulless. It just had nothing to it to offer in terms of like these you know, treasure map type movies where like there's a, a MacGuffin that people have to go get and they follow the trail. Like I've seen plenty of movies like that that do it way better. Like the National Treasure movies, for instance, example, those are, those are fun. Um, they're not classics by any means, but they're fun. This was not fun. Like I didn't feel like there was anything uh, of worth uh, with the characters, the story, the action set pieces. It just all felt kind of blah. Like it just like, yeah, I just saw a movie. <laughs> like that's the reaction I had after I got done watching. I was like, this was not worthy of my time. I was not invested in anything that was going on. Um, obviously, Sony got Tom Holland to do this because you know they got him, um, you know, wrapped up with the Spider-Man film. So it just makes sense that you bring in like one of your top actors right now into another movie of your um, under your studio. Listen. PlayStation Studios wants to make more like movies based on their uh, IP. Go for it. I'm not saying stop. I'm just saying this one just for me just didn't work in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, director Ruben Fleischer, I like that man. Uh, you know, uh, the first Zombie Land was awesome. Um, you know, Venom was kind of fun. So like, I know he has a great sensibility when it comes to like blockbuster filmmaking. This just wasn't it. Uh, and so. You know, Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg really just kind of like they're there to read lines and then just leave. Once again, everything from the cinematography, uh, production design was okay. Um, it still felt like a set. Um, music, acting, everything, action, none of it. None of it excited me. It was just kind of like a very blah movie. And unfortunately, I have nothing more to say of substance. And that, to me, is actually the most damning thing that anyone could ever say about a movie that's just kind of blah. I would much rather hate this movie and have a lot more to talk about or love it and have more to talk about, but I don't. 
Like I, I, I feel very void of anything of this movie. It's just like it existed. I saw it and that's it. Now I'd be curious to know if like the game the games are actually good. Um, I, like I said, I've never watched anyone play it before. And when I was uh, in college, I had three roommates at all times. And so like everyone played games and like, I've seen them play like Tomb Raider and I saw them play some other games, but no one ever played Uncharted. Well, I think that makes sense because Uncharted is a PlayStation game, right? So we all, we all have Xboxes, but um, yeah, I hope the games are better, but the movie just provided no value or substance to me. So there you go. Um, but yeah, so that was the third movie I saw. And the last movie I want to talk about, um, I, I saw for this part, it's currently on Peacock right now. It is written and directed by BJ Novak, and that would be Vengeance. Um, it, like I said, it's on Peacock right now. It is from Focus Features, which means Peacock and Focus Features, they are affiliate. So I think it'll stay uh, on the service uh, as long as possible because Peacock owns it. So I, I don't know if it's going to ever leave, but if you want to watch it, you got to have a Peacock uh, subscription. So what is uh, Vengeance about? A writer from New York City attempts to solve the murder of a girl he hooked up with and travels down south to investigate the circumstances of her death and discover what happened to her. I was looking forward to this because BJ Novak, um, you know, recently just got done watching The Office. So I'm like, I, you know, he's he he was everywhere at this point. So I was like, oh, cool. I would just want to watch a, another thing with him in it. And also, I believe... Um, I could be wrong, but I think he has like a degree in writing. Like he actually is like, like a, a legit writer. And so like, and of course he's like written several episodes, of, like the office or whatever. So I don't think I've ever seen him write a full length feature, let alone direct it, which is, this is his directorial debut and he's the star of, so a lot riding on his shoulders, and he is full responsible for this movie, by the way. <laughs> if you're the writer, director, and the main star, a lot of it lies on you. So, um, yeah, you know, going into this, I, I, I never saw a trailer for it, but I heard great things about it. And, of course, it's, uh, it's set here in the state that I currently inhabit, uh, good old Texas. Um, and before I even get into the review, I got to say, my favorite thing about the movie, no bias here. But my favorite thing about the movie is that they mention Whataburger several times and they actually go there several times in the movie. It's great. It almost made me cry tears of joy because I think this is the first film I've ever seen in my life that has that glorious restaurant in their movie. So got to give him credit for that. But um, yeah, I, uh, I, was, I was looking forward to this. I wanted to see what BJ uh, Novak could do. And so after watching it, I got to tell you, I like this movie quite a bit. It, it's, it works on so many fronts. And I didn't expect anything less from BJ because he's a great writer. Like He knows how to develop story, characters, and have layers to everything, which makes it for a compelling watch. Not only are we watching a murder mystery happen in the middle of you know nowhere, Texas, that's already intriguing enough as he's trying to solve this and everything, he's like creating the podcast, he's interviewing people. So we get to see a slew of characters. We get to see a slew of personalities. We get to see um, a personality of like, you know, the city itself. Like everything just has so much life and so much 
um, breath into it. It just, it feels like an actual uh, place and people. Like, I love that about that um, it, with him solving the murder. It just, it adds so much uh, to it. But also, there's a lot of depth for him, like the main character himself. You know, this is a person that is selfish, doesn't really go beyond the city walls, like, because he lives in New York City. And so he doesn't really explore the world. And so having him being stuck in this city trying to get this story, he learns a lot about himself. He redeems himself in several aspects. He goes through a whole personal char uh, character arc. And I found that to be really compelling. So we had a lot of things working uh, working with it. And I thought it was just a really fun watch. Um, as a comedy, as a mystery, as a thriller, I think it all works. And so from a writing, uh, and the dialogue is super sharp, by the way. Like, um, once again, it just kind of goes into his uh, strengths. It's directed really well. I thought the actual, like, tension buildup and... You know, each scene kind of figuring out like, okay, when he interviews this person, are they the killer? Who's the killer? Like, you know, you, you kind of pick up on little hints, but really great at kind of mastering um, tension buildup. And then as a main lead, he is, he's kind of good. Now, I, I will say that like, he will learn over time, like just being better at it, but I don't think of BJ Novak as a main lead. I just don't. Um, so from an acting perspective, I think he does the job just fine. And there are several moments where I like some of the monologues that he gave or um, some of the character moments that he had, but it didn't. It wasn't really riveting from that standpoint, but the writing and directing is so good that I'll give him a slight pass on it. But he definitely like, you know, We'll just, maybe for his next movie, have another big name actor. That's all I'm saying. Um, but I, I applaud his effort because um, I, I think he crafted still a great movie on his shoulders. So with all that, the other performers, you know, Ashton Kutcher is in this, Issa Rae, uh, Boyd Holbrook, all great. Just beaming with personality, beaming with charisma, and just, you really get a sense that they are their characters. I do not see Ashton Kutcher. I do not see Issa Rae or uh, Boyd Holbrook. I saw their characters. And so that kind of, once again, plays into the whole, like, this small town aspect, like, really just kind of bringing the town to life. And that has to do with, with his directing. And so I thought that was handled really well. So everyone did a fantastic job. Um, I, like the, I, like, I like the way this movie is shot. Really kind of captures the the dry heat of texas the the openness of the fields and it just uh adds to the the crackling of this mystery just really adds um with the heat and the, just the the visuals of it um you really feel like you are in a town where no one has access to with cell service or anything so it really feels like it's on, on its own planet um so i like the isolation uh look to it but yeah i i have nothing else more to say um you know at the end of the film when the uh, kind of killers revealed and like the final showdown happens, I kind of expected it. It wasn't like anything that was like blowing my like my mind. That was like, oh wow, what a neat little twist. That was just like that was that was satisfying. Like I just felt satisfied watching this movie and the ending and just everything worked for me. So listen, BJ Novak, you keep doing your thing, sir. Um, this is a really great one. So 
if you do not have Peacock, I think this is worth it alone to just go ahead and get it. So um, Vengeance, really great. I'm glad I watched it as part of my catch up. And that will do it for this part two of the 2022 movie catch up. I um, I've had fun doing these kind of catching up on everything. I still have like a few more on my list. I got to get through. Won't tell you the titles because I want to keep you in suspense. Um, but yeah, I got to catch up on those and I'll have a part three at some point. Maybe not this month since I had part one next month and you're getting part two in October. I might do it in November at some point because I still got to watch them and, um, you know, uh, dedicate time for that and everything. So yeah, I'm thinking uh, November will be part three. So that will do it for this extra episode of the Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast for part two of the 2022 movie catch-up. I am Chase. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you know, Please spread this around and let people know this is your favorite movie podcast to listen to. You guys are awesome, and I will see you guys uh, for part three on this thing. Goodbye.